Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. Our Father, you have ordained the Word as the means whereby lives are transformed according to your will. So open our hearts, open our lives, our minds, open us up, O Lord, that you may have your way. We make it in Jesus' name. Amen. So tracking the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus went to the wilderness where he was tempted. And uh, this is right after he got baptized. And then he started his work. But he went up to Galilee. Of course, he lived in that area. He lived in the north. But he centered his ministry on the northern shore of Galilee in a town called Capernaum. And this is where he started his work, and his message was essentially the same as John the Baptist. And then, of course, he expanded on from there. And that was he called upon the people to repent. Repent. Why? Because the kingdom of God was emerging. Hear the word of God as it comes to us in the Gospel of Matthew. When Jesus heard that John the Baptist had been arrested, he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He went first to Nazareth and then left there and moved to Capernaum, beside the Sea of Galilee in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This fulfilled what God said through the prophet Isaiah, in the land of Zebulun and of Naphtali, beyond the sea, beyond the Jordan River, in Galilee, there where so many Gentiles live, The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who live in the land where death casts its shadow, a light has shined. From then on, Jesus began to preach, repent of your sins, turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon and also Peter and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called them out, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little further up the shore, they saw two brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee repairing their nets. And he called them to come too. They immediately followed him, leaving their boat and their father behind. Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. He had healed every kind of disease and illness. News about him spread as far as Syria, and and the people soon began bringing to him all who were sick. And whatever their sickness or disease, or if they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them all. Large crowds followed him wherever he went. People from Galilee, the ten towns, Jerusalem, from all over Judea, and from east of the Jordan River. 
May God add his understanding to this hearing of his word. So he goes to Galilee. And there he starts his ministry. There he begins to preach. Galilee was considered to be an area that was, it was long, it was 60, 70 miles from Jerusalem. And it was considered to be sort of the outlying region and kind of polluted by a lot of paganism and a lot of cultural influences of the Gentiles. It's kind of like, like California or someplace like that. <laughs> so Jesus went to Galilee where there was, a, there was an awful lot of syncretism, the mixing of religions. And, and a lot of the talk was of, of just getting along, being tolerant. And, and Galilee was just sort of, it was the place of the, the old northern kingdom. And under Ahab and Jezebel, they, they erected these horrific idols to the false gods. And so they had this in their history. It was culturally embedded. And they never really shook it off. But this is in contrast to the hyper-self-righteousness centered in Jerusalem and, and that surrounding area to the south. Jesus goes there. He goes to the place where there are lots of Gentiles, lots of outsiders, lot of outliers. And so he goes to that place to, to do his ministry. And he goes there and he, as I said, he, he proclaims the good news. The good news which doesn't sound like good news. I, um, I forget where I was going, but I, I walked into a store recently and there was a guy out front with a sign and I hadn't seen a sign like this in the longest time, he had a sign, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. <laughs> but that's what Jesus said. He sounds like a crazy man. Repent of your sin, turn from your sin, for the kingdom of heaven is pressing upon you. It's not just coming, it's already here, and it's also future, it's everywhere. The kingdom of heaven is breaking in, so, so turn. That's what repent means. It doesn't mean feel sorry. It just means turn away from it. If you're going this way, go that way. Going that way, go this way. Just turn. It was not a popular message. This got John arrested. John's been thrown in prison, his cousin. And Jesus hears this and he takes up the same message. But his message is, is good news. It's good news because if God is going to do his work in us, we must turn and embrace what God is doing. And we can typically live our lives in such a way as we, we listen to other people, what they're doing, we, we read the news or we watch the news and we find out what's going on in our world and we get so much of our opinion off of those various sources. Jesus comes and he speaks a word that, that undercuts all of that. It goes to the very root. 
When John the Baptist was preaching, it said, he said, even now the, the ax is laid at the root of the, cre- of the tree. That's where we get the word radical. A radix, the root. And so Jesus is doing the same thing, the same message. And he's saying that our hearts need, our spirits need radical surgery. Because everything that we conjure on our own, apart from God, is is just our stuff. And we cannot get to where God intends that way. So repentance is actually... uh, a bit of a everyday thing where we recognize that we've done something or are doing something and then we make a decision, I just can't, I can't keep this up. I can't keep going there. And so Jesus comes proclaiming the good news. He's preaching. Now that's become a bad word. Oh, don't preach to me. Preaching is good news. It's making a declaration about the nature of God. It's good news, but we've lost sight of that. In fact, in in many churches, it's called teaching or the talk. The reality is there's a difference between preaching and teaching. Preaching is an affirmation that is a declaration of God's truth. Teaching is sort of following on the preaching that sort of fills in the doctrine and, and uh, the ethics, the morality, et cetera, et cetera, that, that are implied by the kingdom. But preaching is a declaration. And no, I can stand here and say what I do. I have the scriptures to authorize it, but I can't prove it. We can dig into the scriptures and criticize it and say, well, this is just written by, by human beings and so on and so forth. But the reality is the word of God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you know, it may seem odd for many of you that I wear this robe. This is a symbol of the, the reality of the preaching of the word down through the centuries doesn't start with me. There was a there was a debate about maybe 75, 80 years ago between two theologians, Paul Tillich and Karl Barth. Tillich and Barth were arguing because Tillich said, well, why not just do art and architecture and dance? God can speak through art. He can people see something beautiful. And, and they can be moved by, by God to, to appreciate that, that expression of God's will. And so Karl Barth comes along, and his response to that was, yes, God can speak through art. God can speak through architecture. God can speak through Russian communism. He can speak through a dead dog if he wants to. The question is not, what God can speak through, but what has God ordained? And what he has ordained is his word. The preached word. So that's what Jesus does. He goes and he preaches. He declares the love of God for those people. And 
It was to the Jew first, but not to the exclusion of the Gentile. It was God's love, yes, for the Jews and through the Jews to the Gentiles. And so this was good news that Jesus was bringing. And it was the the good news that had such transformative power, such that he sees some guys fishing, he calls them, and they come. Four fishermen, start of, his, start of his discipleship group. Hardly guides that I would typically pick. I did a funeral for a, a gentleman who was in this community, and, and all of his friends were, it's that boating crowd. And um, I said, Jesus came to be with people just like you. And they all laughed. In the course of that, there were a bunch of guys that were wearing kilts, and at one point they all turned and mooned all the rest of us. That's the, that's the crowd I was with. That's the crowd that Jesus went to. Those are the ones he went to. Gathered them together, and then he brought in a, he brought in a zealot who's a hard, angry, uh, let's throw out the Romans. And then he brought in a, con- a, a, a collaborator, Matthew, the tax collector. That's what Jesus did. He brought in a, a gathering that represented the entire world of people. I don't believe that in that gathering of disciples, there weren't some fights that broke out along the way. They were just young men. But God through his son, brought them together and established his church. And then as people started to come, they would come and tell of their their need. They, They couldn't hear or they couldn't see, they couldn't walk. They had one frailty, one ailment after another. And one after another, Jesus touched them and healed them. And And so they were a people transformed. And they were so happy that that not only did did that word come to them, but those acts of, of compassion and care and healing validated that word. In other words, those acts of healing were sort of the word before the word. Because of his power, because of his love, his compassion and care, his preaching was believable because they knew there was substance to it, there was reality to it. And so Jesus carried on, and and then next thing you know, all kinds of people were coming from all over the place. And they came, many just because, you know, I've got this bad elbow, I'd like you to kind of touch it for me. They came not just for that. They came because there was something that was being proclaimed that touched them in their very soul, and they had the power to transform them. It's one thing to come away with your elbow fixed. It's another thing to come away with your heart restored. So I was at a conference all this last week of the Covenant Church. I was baptized in the Covenant Church. In fact, when I was baptized, they were still speaking Swedish in this thing. And... All I can say is it was, it was like being at a, 
kind of a health and human services seminar or a social services outfit, that, that it was all about social action. And they would throw the word justice around a lot. Well, we need to think about racial justice and climate justice and this kind of justice and that kind of justice. And I have to say, I was, I was beginning to check out. Time was when I'd go to a church seminar and I was anxious to hear some of the greatest living preachers. I wanted to come out of there feeling like, oh, I'm just not working hard enough. I'm just not doing it right. I wanted to hear some of the greatest preachers. And the greatest preacher I heard was not even a preacher, he was a lawyer. A man named Brian Stevenson. You've probably heard of him. He's, he's an advocate for many people on death row and he's, he's a brilliant Harvard Law graduate professor. But he talked about his faith and he talked about how his faith impacts his work as he goes person to person with people who are condemned and on death row. But he told a powerful story of the gospel. It was more of a testimony than, than a sermon. He said when he was a little boy, about 10 years old, his grandma, who he said was always the end of every argument, and oftentimes the beginning of every argument, <laughs> but this powerful presence in their home, his grandma, before he'd go to school, she would give him a hug and he thought it was that she was going to break his ribs. She'd hug him so hard. And one morning, as she was, as after she had given him this hard, long hug, <laughs> I love it, he was leaving and he stopped and turned around and looked at his grandma. And he didn't say anything. But his grandma said, I want you to feel that hug all day long. The love of God, the good news that we are hugged by our God, that he holds us so powerfully that even when we walk away, we can still feel it. Stevenson was with her moments before she passed. And of course, she said, I want you to feel that hug. And so it is with all of us. We want to feel that hug from God. We want to feel that hug with one another. And that comes to us not by emphasizing the stuff that we need to do. Let's face it, the church is the center of the proclamation of the word. St. Matthew's house does a lot of that social justice stuff. Habitat for Humanity does, does that kind of thing. 
We have our work, and that is the proclamation of the word and the living out of the word in each other's lives. And we support those works. We support the work of St. Matthews and of Habitat. And we've been involved at Mission Peniel up in Immokalee, and we do those things. But that is not our work. Our work is to be bearers of the good news, to know the, the hug of God upon our lives, to never forget it. And then somehow to take that good news wherever we go. So Jesus healed. We have doctors that heal. And they heal with the love of Christ in so many instances. We have broken hearts. We have those who attend to those needs in our hearts and lives. Broken relationships, likewise. That is the work of the church dispersed. The work of the church right here is the proclamation of the word. The transforming reality of God's love for each of us. Will you join me in prayer? And thank you, Lord, that preaching is a good word, is good news. It's a good thing. And Lord, may we be transformed by your word made flesh in each of our lives as we do what you have called us to do because of your transforming love and sharing that love with, with others. Lord, may we likewise hug others so hard. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.